Millions of despairing men, women and little children. Victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. You cannot shake hands with a clenched fist. Produced by a nuclear exchange would be carried by wind and water and soil and seed to the far corners of the kingdom of God, the, the kingdom, kingdom of heaven. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. We're not saying that planet Earth is coming to an end. We're saying that planet Earth is about to be refurbished, spaded under, and have another chance to serve as a garden for another civilization. Most of the people in here are just your reflections. They're your mistakes. 1776 will commence again if you try to take our firearms. One million of the planet's eight million species are threatened. You are what you repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence ought to be a habit, not an act. Your lives and the credibility of the United Nations is at stake. Epstein didn't kill himself. The reason this is such an interesting time is not only because we're on the threshold of the end of this civilization. They're trying to take you out with bullshit. The experience of the past two years has proven beyond doubt that no nation can appease the Nazis. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. In the language of the U.S. Department of Defense, these are unidentified aerial phenomena. Roswell's a very interesting place with a lot of people that would like to know what's going on. Uh, there is very compelling evidence that we, uh, we may not be alone. This is the Garden of Welcome everybody to episode 47 of Garden of Doom. A couple things before we get started. Today's episode was advertised to be a continuation of the Land of the Lost panel review, but one of the panelists had an emergency and we actually had a little audio problem as well at the same time. So that's going to be delayed. We are going to be recording it uh, this coming week and hopefully that will be next week's episode. Uh, but I already have two episodes recorded, and I'm uh, in just for just in case of this type of emergency, or if I was on vacation or something. And this is one of those, um, and it's a doozy. So I hope you will enjoy it. But I do want to do a little disclaimer here. Um, I think anyone who's listened to the show knows that I don't endorse or argue with the co the guests typically um, because they're guests. And I think that anyone who listens to this show is smart enough to know that I don't necessarily agree or disagree uh, with any of the guest positions uh, most of the time. And, you know, they can make their own decisions. Uh, the audience is smart enough to know that I'm sort of just reporting or letting the guests give their story uh, and their version of things. And the audience can decide for themselves. Um, so... This is a general disclaimer for Garden of Doom generally, but in particular, this episode's a little bit scary. Uh, there are probably a couple of others that I, I should have done something similar, but I don't really want to get in the habit of it. So this is just a general disclaimer for the audience going forward. Um, 
But this is a very interesting uh, episode uh, talking about things like cyber Satan. So listen to our special guest, Leo Zagami. Um, and welcome everybody to Garden of Doom. Uh, we have a special guest, Leo Zagami. He's going to talk to us today about the decline of the West and the rise of Satanism in our society. He's going to go a step further. He's going to take a detailed look and provide information about a network of secret societies, which include Freemasonry, various Illuminati groups, and orders born out of the Western Initiatic System. I hope I pronounced that right. And how they were gradually corrupted by evil forces and black magic, facilitating the rise of modern Satanism and atheism and the decline of society. So that was a mouthful. That's a, a lot to swallow, but luckily... Uh, we've, we're going to have help with the digestion, so Mr. Zagami, this is your show, please take it away. Well, uh, you are basically introducing the main subject of Volume 5 of my Confessions, which has been uh, a book which I've published originally um, three years ago, and then I went on to republish last year in a new edition that basically uh, added uh, the whole subject of uh, the pandemic and the virus to this. So uh, this uh, decline of the West, uh, it's uh, described in this book by um, going through uh, the whole of uh, the um, various secret societies that belong to the Western tradition and how they got uh, corrupted uh, if, uh, in, in a very in extreme synthesis. And on top of that, I've uh, also worked a lot in describing their practices, their beliefs, and why ultimately we are uh, now at this point in our uh, society. So. I've, I've, I've tried to uh, resume uh, uh, this uh, subject, uh, which uh, then I've, uh, uh, of course, discussed very much also uh, during uh, the last few years since I started this exposure work, which uh, for me started in 2006, uh, when I uh, brought out my involvement uh, with some of these secret societies, uh, with Freemasonry, which is not really a secret society, but a society with secrets, uh, and uh, also my involvement with the, the Vatican, uh, which seems to be at the center, though, of all this, uh, because uh, um, the Jesuits, the Company of Jesus, uh, uh, founded by Ignazio Loyola almost 500 years ago, has had a key role in, uh, in the establishment of this uh, new world order, uh, which now is uh, bringing together a one world religion, and at the same time wants to bring uh, together a one world government, uh, hopefully with a great reset that will make us all uh, poor and uh, and so they are, of course, uh, working towards a socialist, communistic view of our society. So you're saying that the Vatican, uh, which is obviously the head of the Catholic Church, is looking towards making one religion which involves uh, secular, uh, I'm sorry, secularism, atheism, uh, Gnosticism, however we want to phrase it. Um, I assume that you'll reconcile that for us, or you'll you'll. Tell us what's going on, what the, why that is, or how that makes sense. 
Yes, uh, one word religion, uh, it's a concrete thing, it's not just an hypothesis. In uh, uh, the last three years, uh, the Vatican has signed uh, this uh, human fraternity uh, document uh, in uh, Dubai that kick-started the operations, uh, bringing on board first the Sunni uh, part of Islam. This year, in March, uh, the Pope went to Iraq so he could bring on board also the Shiites. In the meantime, he also went in Asia. He uh, got this document signed by Buddhist, Hinduist, and uh, of course, uh, he also uh, involved uh, elements uh, of the Jewish faith. Uh, and all this uh, with the deconstruction uh, that is uh, apparently taking place uh, right now in the Emirates of uh, the first temple dedicated to all three Abrahamic faiths. Um, why is he doing all this? Because, of course, the Jesuits have been always behind the scenes uh, since uh, the Reformation, then the Counter-Reformation, which, of course, they, uh, they operated in. Uh, and that's how they really started in 1540. But this was a very unusual kind of uh, religious order because, first of all, they are a military religious order. They are a religious order that is entrenched in intelligence activities. Um, the very start of uh, uh, worldwide intelligence is partly because of the Jesuits, and then Elizabeth I reacted with John Dee, and, and, and we know, of course, the term uh, 007 is taken by that uh, signing of John Dee, uh, in his, uh, in his own uh, signature, he used to sign himself as uh, with these two eyes and this seven. So uh, we are uh, in front of uh, an order uh, that never really had control of the Catholic Church. The Jesuits uh, uh, have never had a pope. They had cardinals, of course, that's, that's happened uh, before, but they never had a uh, pope. And it was like a not written rule of the Jesuits to never have a Pope. But when uh, Pope Francis became a Pope, uh, he then said that the Jesuits have a vote to obey the Pope, but if the Pope is a Jesuit, and this I'm quoting Pope Francis, he says, maybe he should have a vote to obey the Superior General. Uh, and then he, he continues saying, I feel like I'm still a Jesuit in terms of my spirituality, what I have in my heart. So we have for the first time in history, this kind of priest. And this kind of priest is an unusual kind of priest. They were uh, kicked out in the early 1770s from the Vatican. They eventually managed to uh, get back into the Vatican in 1814. They were uh, kicked out of the Vatican and kicked out of the Catholic Church. They ended up having to ask for protection. And uh, for a period, they resided in Russia. They made a deal uh, with the, the Empress of Russia, who protected the order, and in turn they nominated as a Jesuit general a Russian. Um, and, and Russians are not even Catholics, as you know, they are Orthodox. So it was a very unusual move, but it demonstrates the, the, the power and the versatile nature of the Jesuits. Now, uh, I, my own experience started because I come from a very particular family. I'm an aristocrat, uh, I am actually a marquis, 
and that's my title but not that i ever use my title of course uh, titles are no longer used in italy and then they are definitely no no longer uh, ever been used here in, uh, in america but uh, uh, i was forced to eventually leave italy after publishing books and getting involved with politics in italy and becoming uh, um, not only ostracized but and sabotaged but actually persecuted so I got arrested, uh, I got uh, locked up only for my own beliefs. And that was shocking, especially for my wife who is American, to, to see that this could happen. And so at one point we decided in 2019 to leave Italy. Uh, my books were no longer on the bookshelves because uh, the Vatican had basically forced most distribution to, to not distribute my books any longer. And uh, and so I was, uh, and, and I was risking to be arrested because, uh, on top of that, uh, volume one of my confessions, which is one of my books, uh, I uh, published six books uh, with the, the on the confession series. Then I published also another book called Invisible Master. I published another book that actually was very much a bestseller in the Catholic book section. Uh, Pope Francis, the last Pope question mark, but. The uh, book, the first book, uh, was the book in which I also denounced uh, uh, the connections between the Italian uh, mob, the Italian mafia, sorry, and uh, the Vatican and Freemasonry. And one of the grandmasters uh, um, wasn't happy about that. He sued me. And uh, in Italy, uh, if you're sued, it's not only a civil matter, it's a criminal matter. So you can get arrested as a journalist. Uh, you can get arrested as an author. This is, uh, of course, unheard of for Americans and, and quite shocking for the rest of the world. But these laws actually were established in the early 1930s by Benito Mussolini. And then they uh, were kept uh, in place by the successors who took control of Italy, who were definitely not fascists, but communist leaning, especially the people who took uh, in their hands the, the, the court system. Uh, and that was their idea. Actually, I found a document that was written by Freemasons in exile from Italy, where they said, we will use the fascist laws to persecute fascists. To persecute all the opposition, we will use their own laws. So the laws never changed. And the court Tell us uh, a little bit about who the Freemasons are. The Freemasons, in a nutshell, are a um, society with secrets, not a secret society because everybody knows about them, but they represent a moment in the uh, early 1770s, uh, 1700s, sorry, in which they wanted to uh, put together people from different uh, Christian backgrounds, because in England there had been a lot of uh, divisiveness, and at the same time there were some mystery schools, like the Rosicrucians, but also other mystery schools that were trying to find a way to, um, to teach uh, their, own, uh, their own teachings. Um, and so Freemasonry came together in 1717 in, at the Goose and the Gridon, Gridon pub in London uh, when a few lodges got together to become the first Grand Lodge. But Freemasonry already existed by then. But uh, that was the first time in which 
a, a number of lodges came together as a grand lodge because before that point from the 15 14 uh, 15th 16th centuries the first lodges were simply independent institutions that were kind of um, coming up here popping up here and there especially in scotland but the the actual uh, roots of freemasonry it's the guilds the guilds and at the same time also there is part of freemasonry which was closer to the stuart family to the jacobites who brought in the equation the templar uh, myth which was presented by a, a gentleman called Cavalier de Ramsey, who was himself a tutor of, um, of, one, of the, uh, one of the members of the Stuart family that by then were in exile, protected, by the way, by the Catholic Church, because the Catholic Church wanted uh, uh, England to, go, to, to, to have uh, gained the Stuarts and to have uh, the Catholic faith taking back control of, the, of, of Great Britain. They never managed. They never managed. Okay. So eventually, this um, these various Jacobites. There was a lot of wars that, uh, of course, uh, for independence or for uh, bringing uh, back uh, these Stuarts uh, uh, as the, the leading uh, royal as the royal house of England. They didn't succeed. So in the end, the Hanoverians succeeded, and that's the, the ones that now we call the Windsors are the Hanoverians, and. Uh, are they related to the Habsburgs? Well, of course, of course, of course. Uh, but the Habsburgs, uh, as a line, kind of extinguished around 1760 as a pure line, let's say. Uh, then they're all interrelated. Even the, the king of Romania was related with the Habsburgs, actually. And uh, the castle that we call uh, the, the castle of Dracula, the inspired, uh, it was actually an Habsburg castle. And so... And yes, before we go further, I just want to clarify one thing because uh, you indicated that the first Grand Lodge, I think you said, was 1717. No, the 1717 was the first Grand Lodge, Grand Lodge, but they were lodges for about 200 years before. Yeah, yeah, no, there were lodges before, but the Grand Lodge, meaning uh, more than one lodge, meaning three or four lodges form a grand lodge. Uh, at that point, there was a necessity for a constitution. So they asked a guy called Reverend Anderson to bring the constitutions of Freemasonry together. Uh, and it was actually very much a Christian endeavor in the early, in, 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 at the beginning. Freemasonry was Christian. And in 1723, okay. the Anderson... Before we go further, though, I, I just want to, I just want, and I want your answer, whatever it is, but, I mean, people think of the Templar, I mean, the Freemasons, they, they hear about the Templar Knights from Dan Brown books, they hear about the ties yeah, Well, listen, the, the link with the Knights Templars was actually more of a legendary link, though there is some evidence that in the Lodge of Kilwinning and in Scotland, there was direct links due to um, the Sinclair family being involved with the Freemasonry, which was in turn involved with Templarism. And, uh, of course, uh, Robert de Bruce had protected the remains of the Knights Templars uh, who uh, flocked to uh, Scotland. Uh, and, and, and for that reason, uh, there is uh, this uh, connection. So it's more of a they existed sort of parallel, but at some point 
it wasn't the Templars that founded the Freemasons. It's sort of the Templars that okay, okay. The Templars, were folded into the Freemasons. No, let's say this. The Templars needed to construct churches, okay, like every other uh, order in the Catholic Church. And the ones who constructed the churches were craftsmen who were initiated when the churches were actually built in a very specific and particular way that was not just simply putting a, uh, you know, like four walls together and a roof. It was uh, putting a lot of symbolism and those people were initiated. So those craftsmen who actually were operative masons, who were constructors, were initiated in this, uh, in, this, uh, free uh, in this masonry, which was at that time operative. In 1717, we have the officialization of the Freemasonry becoming speculative, because at that point, it was not only the constructors who were initiated, but everybody from all walks of life, from the doctor to the guy who was uh, uh, doing, I don't know, uh, all kinds of jobs. It could be important. T could be doing anything. Okay, I'm sorry. I just I just wanted to clarify that, it, that yes. it sort of it was a it's it's not entirely myth, but it's there's a lot of mythos with it going back to Egypt and stuff. Okay, like that. okay, okay. Then when it comes down to going back to Egypt and all the rest, you have to understand what I said at the beginning. Fimesi wanted to put together a series of mystery schools. Those mystery schools uh, claimed uh, some ancient origin. But what uh, is often said about Freemasonry claiming uh, thousands of year old lineages from here or there and everywhere, depending on the rights of Freemasonry, it's often myth that, that, that needed to be constructed to give importance to the institution that maybe was born uh, 10 years before, but they claimed it was born 2,000 years ago. Uh, the, the thing is that they claimed that because that institution was formed uh, with elements coming from those mystery schools that, of course, some of them, like the Alexander, the mystery schools that come from ancient Egypt, come from Alexandria. Uh, there is connection with the ancient Gnostics. Uh, the Rosicrucians claimed such connection uh, with the ancient Gnostics. So, Who were the Rosicrucians before I let you move on? Uh, Rosicrucians were a fraternity that was born uh, in Germany, claimed some kind of ancient uh, uh, grandmaster who went to the east, this and that. But apparently it could also be a way of representing um, some, some kind of allegory that would then be functional. Uh, in reality, Christian Rosenkreutz is a new depiction of Jesus Christ, if we want to see it. Uh, it's, it's a, and, and, and at times, uh, the CR in which the Rosicrucians sign themselves, CR, Christo Redivibus, Christ Reborn, um, um, the, the motto that the Rosicrucians say, through the uh, road, uh, to, to obtain the rose, we have to go through the cross. It's, it's also about uh, living Christianity in a certain way to achieve the knowledge, but it's also a way of uh, pointing to the fact that this is a form of Christianity that wanted to recover a lot of those elements that, of course, the Catholic faith had kind of casted away with the, the uh, institution of the Inquisition and all that. 
And now, when the Rosicrucian comes, uh, uh, they, they, they make themselves known, that was around 1610, 1620. At that point, <clears throat> they had these manifestos that was published. Um, but at that point, the Jesuits decided to infiltrate them. So the Jesuits took not so long, and they managed to infiltrate the, the, the Rosicrucians. At that point, they transformed it into the Golden Rosicrucians that became the Masonic system in 1750. But before that, they created a, a circle of initiates at the court of Queen Christine of Sweden, who had become Catholic and moved to Rome, with Athanasius Kircher, who was himself very much one of the major experts of Egypt before the Rosetta Stones, nobody knew what the, the hieroglyphs were saying. And there was the only guy who, who knew something, uh, who wrote this uh, uh, big book about it, that was uh, Athanasius Kirke. And he's one of the most influential Jesuits. So you, you understand, the influence of the Jesuits is very big in our society. Um, I would say that two of the most influential Jesuits are um, now free, because now we have Pope Francis, but one is Athanasius Kircher, who worked, by the way, with uh, some great alchemists, with Queen uh, Christina, worked with uh, uh, also other important people uh, in, 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 into developing uh, um, this Rosicrucian idea into the next stage so the Jesuits could take control of it because it, the, initially the, the, the Rosicrucian was developing into Protestant circles. What was the gentleman's name? I'm sorry if you could say it slowly just because your accent people want to yes, Google them yes, or research. Yes. Athanasius, Athanasius, Athanasius Kircher, Kircher with a K, Kircher. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, and, he's, uh, and then the other Jesuits, I would say, is uh, just as important is Pierre Taylor de Carden. He's a more recent one. He, he was from last century, uh, from the past century. And uh, he is the guy who inspired both 2001 Space Odyssey and the movie The Exorcist. So inf enormously influential. Uh, he uh, influenced Arthur C. Clarke. He influenced, like I said, he was... Uh, almost uh, Indiana Jones kind of figure. You can see that in the film The Exorcist because it's very much based on his own figure. There is even an image of, I think, uh, one point in the film of Pierre Tellard de Carden, in, 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 uh, and it was filmed in, in Georgetown. And, it, and it actually is the, it's the first film that features a Jesuit being a Jesuit uh, and acting uh, the role of a Jesuit. <laughs> it's quite incredible. So, um, yes, these are the, the most influential Jesuits, definitely Athanasius Kircher, Pierre Teilhard de Carden, and now we have Pope Francis, um, for, 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 for what it's worth. Um, but uh, the, the, the actual uh, Rosicrucian um, world uh, and, and the, and the Neo-Templar world, because you have to understand also, when we talk about Templars and Freemasonry, yes, but they were not real Templars. The real Templars were extinguished officially with um, with the, the, the death of Jacob de Molay, who was, of course, the killed on the stake. And at that point, uh, the official order was extinguished. Then the survivors is a different thing, but they will never be the same kind of order. So when they, uh, in the, let's say, 
1600s they started to revive the, 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 the temper myth. It was mostly the Jesuits who were interested in reviving the temper myth. First of all, because the Jesuits were the first order to assume the same kind of role, but also because they wanted to use this myth for the laymen and to convince people to become uh, loyal Catholics and, and loyal in the sense to fight. Uh, also, uh, when Freemasonry started to become a threat for the Church, they understood that creating a high degree system that then will eventually transform in what became the ancient and accepted Scottish Rite, but before uh, in the early stages was uh, uh, the strict observance and then uh, later on became uh, the ancient and accepted Scottish Rite from a mix of various degrees and mystery schools that kind of were all put together. But it's a very complex matter. Um, it's definitely a very complex matter, and all these things are uh, well described in my books. So, volume one, two, three, four, <laughs> they kind of go into the, all these subjects. Absolutely. Um, do you want to give the names of your books now so that I don't forget at the end? Yes, well, um, we started uh, discussing the decline of the West and the rise of Satanism in our society, which is basically the subtitle of volume five of my confessions. Then you have also uh, volume 6.66, which is basically a book which I find particularly important and relevant for where we are now. It's uh, the subtitle, is the title is Confessions of the United Volume 66, the subtitle is The Age of Cyber Satan, Artificial Intelligence and Robotics. And then, of course, I have volume 4 of my Confessions, which is American Renaissance 2.0 and the Missing Link from the Invisible World, and that is Confessions of an Illuminati, volume 4, a book which is also very important because in this book, for the first time, I show the links uh, between the Jesuits and the Sabbatian Frankists, and I talk about in detail about this heresy within the Jewish world, and uh, um, the links that uh, the Sabbatian Frankists uh, had uh, inevitably with the Jesuits that will eventually result in an alliance between these two factions. One, I always say that the Jesuits are no, no, not really Christians, because the founder, Ignazio Loyola, was already arrested five times by the time he founded the order. He was arrested five times by the Inquisition, and he eventually managed to have his order accepted by the Pope, uh, because in the end, I think he, I don't know how he managed to convince the Pope, but in the end he convinced him, but he had been arrested for practices that included even uh, black magic and uh, hypnotizing young girls and all kinds of things. So he wasn't really that, that, that kind of saint they claimed to be. But the interesting point in the Jesuits that I talk about in volume 4 is the fact that in 1540, the first thing that the Jesuits that were founded originally in 1530 in France and then were accepted by the Catholic Church in 1540 was to send some of the first disciples immediately to Asia to conquer China, India, Japan. And that's where, why we have still nowadays in Beijing a shrine for, uh, for, for Matteo Ricci, who was uh, one of the first people to go there and in the end becoming advisor to the emperor. 
these people they didn't really bring Christianity they adapted and absorbed the faith they went to Tibet they were initiated as lamas they went to India not to bring Christianity they were initiated and, and, and became uh, basically assistants to the Brahmin who the Brahmins are the top of the elite system in India the priest so, class, right? Sorry? The priest class? No, the Brahmins are not only priest class. Are just, uh, you know, India is a class system. So you have a class system and the Brahmin are like the upper, upper of the aristocracy. The, so they're the, the aristocrats. There's a well, uh, we have, for example, nowadays Kamala Harris. She, the, she descends from the Brahmin class. So, okay. Um, I have a question for you and maybe you're going to get to it, but you had mentioned that the Pope went to the, these different countries, notably Iraq, and got all these faiths to sign on, the, the, the different, the two major... Yeah, and, and last year, by the way, he also did this uh, uh, Fratelli Tutti Encyclica, which is basically a Masonic Encyclica. This Pope is, a, is, a, is also a Freemason, aside from being a Jesuit. Because the, the, the Jesuits, uh, in the moment in which they were kicked out of the Vatican the, in the early 1770s, the first thing they did to uh, then convince the Vatican to bring them back in was to use Freemasonry and secret societies. Uh, there is uh, actually a very important witness, Baron von Knig, uh, who wrote the rituals for the Illuminati. He walked out of the Illuminati accusing Adam Bishop of being a Jesuit in disguise. Um, the, the, the actual Jesuits were able to infiltrate the Golden Rosicrucians, they were able to uh, infiltrate various rites of Freemasonry, and they were actually even involved in uh, writing some of the upper degrees of uh, certain rites. But why would the leaders of these different faiths and sects and denominations, why would they, why would they sign on? What was their motivation? And now, in, you mean in the last few years since he started this new project, yes. the motivation is a secret motivation and then there is an official motivation. The official motivation is uh, that basically uh, the Pope uh, wants to find points of contact uh, so he can bring people uh, to unify and all these, uh, you know, all these nice words that they say. Uh, when you go and read Fratelli Tutti, you understand that, that is the backbone of the Great Reset, which is something that comes from uh, Klaus Schwab and uh, the uh, Davos Forum. But also, uh, why they're really doing it is because uh, they are uh, in secret. No, they know that this is the time in which the Messiah is uh, basically going to reveal himself and there is uh, the waging war with the Antichrist. So they, the Pope, is trying in every way possible to gather all these uh, elements together, but in reality is simply supporting an anti-Christian agenda by doing that. So it's it's like a double agent, basically. He's on the guise of uniting all of the faiths against, we'll just say Satan, for, for, for keep it simple. Yes, but, yes. but in actuality, it's a trick. He, he's actually working In, both in reality, time. yes. Well, in reality, is uh, he actually, what he did that was very uh, clever. He used a, a formal uh, mason from uh, Austria, who had years and years of experience within Freemasonry, who was a grand officer within the Grand Lodge of Austria. And this guy left Freemasonry, became a priest, and became in charge of the whole operation for the Pope. 
And you said it was a document. Does the document have a name that anybody would know? The document that the Pope put together is, uh, the first document is called Human Fraternity, the one he signed in Dubai, and then followed last year by the other document called Fratelli Tutti, All Brothers, that's the translation of the, the name from Italian, uh, which he signed in Assisi, and uh, it's obviously a Masonic document. When you go and see the people who are nominated, most of them are Freemasons. And you used the phrase, I think, Great Reset uh, a couple Great times? Reset, yes. Great Reset, uh, it's uh, of course uh, uh, what happened last year when Klaus Schwab presented, he'd been talking about it for years, but Klaus Schwab uh, and Prince Charles presented this Great Reset. So basically... Who's Klaus Schwab? Kla Klaus Schwab, he's the, the head of Davos. Davos uh, is uh, the place where every year all the people, uh, the, the economic, the World Economic Forum is the head right, of the, the World the Economic Forum. The G20 and they... they no, no, that is another different thing. The World Economic Forum is a specific thing. Uh, is an independent international organization committed uh, in their words to improve the state of the world. But their project that was launched last year officially claims to uh, do a global reset of capitalism, destroy, eliminate private property by 2030, so they can implement their new world order, which is basically socialist and communist in nature, because the moment in which you destroy the private property and you become, uh, you know, you, you, you incentivate universal basic income and, and, and that kind of situation, and you, you want people to simply live uh, by handouts from the state, that is communism. How does the state collect money if nobody's paying taxes? <laughs> that, that, that is uh, uh, something you should ask to the people who were running the Soviet Union. <laughs> <laughs> not me I mean uh, they, they, they made up their own money <laughs> they said uh, what it was worth <laughs> well uh, you see the thing is uh, that uh, you should ask Ch the Chinese how they do it uh, they actually seem to be taking uh, the best from the capitalist world to then promote their own communist agenda that is something that not many people know but the new Silk Road initiative the Belt Road initiative now renominated the Green New Belt Initiative, uh, Green Belt Initiative, is basically a way to um, make all those countries who make deals with China uh, uh, to become in debt with China, and then they will buy all the. They will basically buy with uh, very little money all their infrastructures, uh, their mines, if they have any of relevance, because the Chinese are at the moment the one who are obsessively mining for any kind of substance that uh, can be used in the incentivization of this uh, green new economy. Um, this uh, was actually admitted even uh, a few days ago by uh, uh, John Kerry in front of a commission because uh, he had to admit that China, yes, you want to do the solar panels, yes, you want to do uh, the, 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 everything else that is, runs with this supposed green energy, it's all gonna inevitably pass through China, because they have already bought the, 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 the mining rights for all the substances which are like silicious at the center of this uh, supposed green new economy. Well, China is certainly building the infrastructure and getting the mining rights. China is uh, also a protagonist of my book, Volume 6.66, as well as Volume 4, 
because uh, uh, first of all I show in volume 4 of my confession the fact that they have been uh, having this long relation with the Jesuits such a long relation that at one point there was uh, uh, something that you can find you can go in Google in the history books so you can find it the Chinese controversy of the Jesuits the Jesuits had the courage to go in front of the Pope and wanted to convert uh, basically the Pope to a ritual that was mixing Confucius elements to Christianity and of course one Pope after the other told the Jesuits to, 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 to screw themselves but it lasted for seven Popes this Chinese controversy so the Jesuits have always been siding with China and when China in 2018 signed the secret and then became an official deal with the Vatican at that po a moment it wasn't like Christianity finally was welcome in China. No, then they started to persecute Christians even more. You had said that this is there's Satanism involved, but I, uh, you know, I, I did a show actually on the Church of Satan. Then, uh, so Church of Satan is 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 uh, is a very little thing compared to what we are talking here. So the Church of Satan is uh, satanic folklore, but it has. An element of importance. Why? First of all, let's remember to all the people who are listening. Anton Lavey died in a Catholic hospital surrounded by Jesuits, and that's a fact. Uh, and he was crying like a little sissy boy. Um, and uh, instead, the truth is that the Second Vatican Council ended up uh, in December two uh, sorry, in December 1965 right in time for year zero of Satanism. What Anton LaVey did in 1966 with the foundation of the Church of Satan was simply modern Satanism that gradually had to seek acceptance out in the open. And so from that stage we passed to the next stage in the middle of the 70s with the foundation of the Temple of Set of Michael Aquino. And then the last stage of this uh, modern Satanism uh, was in 2013 with the Satanic Temple of Lucian Greaves. So these are modern Satanism. But what happened in the Vatican during the Second Vatican Council in 1963 was a satanic mass inside the Basilica of St. Peter's. That's a real Satanism. Real Satanism was created as a ritual um, five centuries ago by Catherine de Medici. This is, uh, of course, uh, an historic fact, not a fiction. Uh, she started to, ce to celebrate these black masses because she wanted to keep her power, she wanted to also save uh, her child who was sick and all this rubbish. And what she did was to use a Catholic priest to celebrate a mass in which they would sacrifice a little child, invert the main elements of the Catholic Mass, and it became so successful that a century later there was a whole scandal in France, uh, the Affaire de Poisson, in which there was thousands of uh, little children found uh, in, in, uh, that were sacrificed by the aristocracy in these uh, terrible rituals. So. Uh, the Black Mass it didn't wasn't born definitely and wasn't uh, the, 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 um, what, what Anton LaVey did. Anton LaVey was a disciple coming from the Alistair Crowley milieu in Berkeley uh, with uh, Roman Polaski and some other people. And he, uh, though, was instrumental into promoting uh, Satanism in the open and making it gradually acceptable.
Yeah, they're more like um, uh, atheists, but the I think you're talking about you're talking about Luciferians or or just Satan generally. They claim to be uh, atheists uh, <laughs> because that's the main thing. Modern Satanists they like this thing to get steam off, uh, to get pressure off them. They like to always say that. But I can assure you that uh, Anton Lavey wasn't just uh, an atheist. <laughs> Anton Lavey was much more than that. Okay, so the anti is the Antichrist and Satan one and the same? No, Antichrist is a figure. Uh, there's been many Antichrists, uh, but then there will be an ultimate Antichrist once Cyber Satan takes control in 2030 with China wanting to be the leading nation of artificial intelligence. That's when the mark of the beast will be in full effect. And the mark of the beast through cyber, what, what are we looking for? What, what is the mark of the beast uh, when you say cyber Satan? Because that, I mean, that's a interesting concept and then actually... It, it well, it's a concept that was in a way presented by Stanley Kubrick uh, in, in his film 2001 Space Odyssey because, I mean, Al 9000 becomes really an enemy, a Satan right. name, you know, of, of mankind. There is a lot of prophetic things that were presented in 2001 Space Odyssey. There was actually a prologue to that film that not many people know about, and that prologue was actually him interviewing Jesuits, rabbis, and scientists. And uh, there was a Jesuit from the astronomical sect, and, and they were talking about also the extraterrestrial origins of mankind. You asked me about oh, the mark of the beast, and now I'm going to give you the mark of the beast. With the with the vaccine, you get a super paramagnetic nanoparticle delivery of DNA vaccine, okay? And that uh, uh, efficiency of delivery of DNA vaccines is often re relatively low compared to protein vaccines. But the use of supermagnetic iron oxide nanoparticles, known as spions, they deliver these genes via a magnetophore faction shows and this is the mark of the beast and millions of people are getting it right now as we speak is it just in the covid vaccine or is it in other vaccines as well they want to uh, make it uh, into every single vaccine that's why they want to launch the, uh, the rna messenger technology substituting vaccines that have been successful for for a long time now and they Is want that the reason that, uh, that uh, the U.S. has waived patent rights for the, the, for the COVID vaccines? The, 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 the discussion of the patent rights uh, is a little bit like uh, um, Bill Gates uh, during this pandemic uh, was busy with his Microsoft patenting the human uh, uh, body as a depository for cryptocurrency. The, uh, the actual patent was 060606. We know that that is one of the things now of the, of the actual uh, mark of the beast. You can only sell when, uh, when you have this. So it's all uh, connected. Even the, the fact that you have, of course, these vaccines connected to Bill Gates and that Bill Gates at the same time is working to create your body as a virtual depository for digital currency. And you saw the incentivation that digital currency, cryptocurrency has had during the pandemic, no? Very much.
I mean, yeah, it's it's all it's all the rage these days. Sorry, it's all the rage. It's very popular. It's very yeah, popular. yeah, and it's gonna be yeah, but because they want to move towards that kind of currency. Because the thing is, here is all about control. So um, I think that it's important to understand that when, for example, they say we want to go for the electric car instead of the the, the gasoline car, they they are simply in the long run want to drive your car. They want to make sure that it's not you driving the car, but the car that is driving you. The car is connected to a G GPS controlling system that controls every single movement. At that point, it's going to be them deciding the price you pay for moving from one place to the other, if you are allowed to go to that place, and when you take the car. The control, that it, it, it is about control. So all this, including the mark of the beast in its various forms because in various forms and shapes because in the end the person that accept this reality will be drawn inevitably to the artificial intelligence and that's when cyber satan will eventually control everybody and that's when we will see the antichrist manifesting in front of your eyes much more clearly, and that's what, that though will be also the moment in which probably you will also see uh, soon after the Messiah, the, 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 the returning for the Christians, arriving for the first time for the Jews, and of course for the, uh, for the Muslims. Let's not forget that all three of these religions say that uh, um, the, there will be a Messiah. How will, will they be able to agree on uh, who the Messiah is? I think that that is because they agree on an anti-Christian figure as Messiah that is going to probably be the Antichrist rather than the Messiah. So they're probably going to agree on something that is going to be completely the opposite of what we are you know, expecting. Uh, it's going to look uh, probably nice initially. It's going to be presented a little bit like this. They tried, you see, a century ago, the Theosophical Society is very much responsible for a lot of what is going on here. When I said Pierre Telav, the Cardin earlier, um, you have to understand that when uh, um, Adam Blavatsky died, uh, the Theosophical Society was immediately taken over by the Jesuits, and the project that went on with Krishnamurti was already in a first kind of project uh, towards the idea of uh, a messianic figure. It didn't work out because Krishnamurti, at one point, uh, told them uh, that he wasn't the, the, the Messiah, that he was just somebody uh, who they found and he, he didn't agree uh, so uh, with, with what the Theosophical Society wanted uh, from him. But the Theosophical Society has been enormously influential in really uh, defining the very basis of modern Satanism. If we uh, go and view where modern Satanism comes from, it comes of course from Aleister Crowley, but Aleister Crowley without the Theosophical Society support and network could have never established himself. So when we talk about Satan, we are talking about Book of Enoch, uh, Watchers, that Satan. Well, we are talking, of course, uh, when you say Book of Enoch, Watchers, Elohim, that then it's, it becomes a different kind, because then you have those, uh, of course, 
these uh, uh, in the Enochian uh, we have the, the, these angels who are casted out of heaven and they mixed with the, the daughters or with the son and daughters or with the daughters of men. No, they mixed together, and uh, the result was uh, these uh, giants. And, and the whole thing came to the to, to a conclusion with eventually with the great flood, but it didn't come really to. To, to, to the end so yes there was a connection with mankind and I think it's the connection that was very well described by Stanley Kubrick but is it the same is it the same fallen angel demon whichever is it is it the same Satan from I, I think that without really this um, you see the, the, of course uh, we have these extra dimensional demons that come into our reality and uh, but without really uh, the support also, let's say, in a way, no, of uh, um, part of their knowledge, we could have probably not established our society in the way we have. So there is some uh, gray areas of compromise there. And in the end, I think that uh, everything is uh, in the eyes of, uh, of God, uh, above uh, uh, all this because then we have the eras no a little bit described by the hindus like the kali yuga final phase in which we are now is an age of darkness um, and and, and uh, but it's also an age in which we would see depositing the, the those seeds of something that will grow and will last a thousand years uh, we will see what happens though uh, when uh, the, the these uh, two forces of good and evil finally go head on in a confrontation now you, you would say but how can they be so um, sure how can it they be so defined no who is good and who is bad yeah. well we are we are really defining it right now with this pandemic because yeah. Huh? Yeah, uh, you were going to start, I was just to say explain or elaborate, but you were about to start anyway. Yeah, no, no, I mean, like, the the, the, the fact that um, part of humanity is giving in to this whole sanitary dictatorship is a part of the plan, because, first of all, the New World Order and those people who are in charge want to eliminate part of the population. Why? Because they know that the moment in which they have uh, cyber Satan, they have robotics in place, they don't need as much uh, people to run the system because they have robots, well, then that is uh, the moment in which uh, the, the, the satanic elite which is very much synarchic in the way they operate. Synarchy is it's a term that uh, many, many people don't know about, but it's very important for the elite. And it means uh, 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 that they have basically on top of their society, uh, they, they have a class system of scientists slash priests that run the show. And the Jesuits are the scientists of the Catholic Church, but they are also uh, running the show in, 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 uh, with the scientists themselves. Uh, only uh, on, um, very recently, between the 6th and the 8th of May, there was a conference organized by the Vatican in remote, of course, like they do these days, um, a conference about the mind, the body and the soul, uh, a so-called health conference, which united the 
CEO Pfizer, the CEO Moderna, Dr. Fauci, and then Deepak Chopra, Sufis, Mormons, and God knows. So, I mean, it's like, what is, a, what is it with this new alliance also of the, uh, the, the, the Church of the Latter-day Saints and the Catholic Church? It's a very unusual alliance. But then, if you see it in the context of the New World Order and the One World Religion, you see that it's not so unusual. Yeah. Um, how, well, you've already said how to recognize the signs and suppose. What do we revolt? How do we avoid the Great Reset, or how do we find the actual Messiah as opposed to the imposter? Okay, I think that uh, we should uh, um, not give in to the impositions uh, of uh, this uh, sanitary dictatorship, even if it means uh, renouncing to traveling on planes, even if it means uh, renouncing to a series of things, because they will make it more and more difficult to people not to get into their program. They, and so it will be. We have to renounce to certain things. I mean, I've uh, I've already renounced to the idea of ever seeing my mother or family again in Italy because I think it will be impossible for me to ever go on a plane again without taking a vaccine or a, or a, or a sanitary uh, passport, a, a, a vaccine passport, which is in my eyes an obscenity. I, I never even did a, a, a test. And I am not even willing to put one of those things up my nose, or let alone the vaccine. Um, so it's about renouncing to things, uh, not living in big cities, because big cities are all already in the hands of the enemy. And it, it's not a question of political enemy. We know that the Democrats are democrats. They are a manifestation of, of the demonic. They show it. Their cities are demonic. LA, full of shit. San Francisco, the same. Uh, New York, the same. Every single city is in their hands. So cities have to be abandoned. Uh, and uh, we have to go and live uh, in communities that are like-minded. I think that in a few years, this division is going to become probably more intense. And in the end, we will have to probably uh, prefer isolation uh, than participating to this uh, uh, di diabolical scheme. Let me ask you this. You have said cyber Satan, which of course I think speaks for itself as to what yeah. it is. I mean, everybody, we all live in our phones. We are on Skype right now. We emailed. Uh, I, I was acquainted with you through email through a, a mutual acquaintance. The first time I saw you was on a Zoom presentation. Um, we're we're we we're all cyber, um, and we're doing it right now. So uh, you know, are, well, are we, we are still allowed to do it right now because uh, up until 2030, in which the artificial intelligence systems will be fully in control of every single algorithm in the world. At that point, you will not be able to even talk. We and you will not be able to use Skype. We, me and you will be able to use our voices if we meet in person. Uh, and that's about it. Because we will be scrambled, our voices, uh, our voices, our faces. We will be censored as soon as we open our mouth. People say, why don't I use uh, WhatsApp? I never use WhatsApp in my life. WhatsApp 
is the typical example of it. If you start uh, key, putting keywords that the system doesn't like when you're using WhatsApp, immediately you get censored. And the same happens if you use a, a messenger from one of these controlled systems. So this is happening now. But in a few years from now, when our computer will be linked to our brain, through computer brain interfaces, and they will start to become much more invasive because at that point that's what they want to promote they want to promote transhumanism the next stage is transhumanism and that's where cyber satan goes to the ultimate control now i know that you are not the same as some of the other guests that, that i had that were from the uh the the, the Thelum, uh anthropology conference um but i noted earlier you said 2030 that's when the ai sort of becomes essential well, that's what china said they want to uh, have the best ai by 2030 and, and china is a leading nation in the ai technology so, so this is different than what i heard I, I can't remember if it was andrew or jim but uh, one or both of them said 2029 is sort of the year, and it, it's it's odd that it's only. Well, 2029 is another important year. Why? Uh, there is a reason for that too. Um, you see, um, we um, I said great reset. Great reset means great re, which in Italian uh, that means king set Satan. Great king Satan. Now in uh, 2019 there will be something really big happening in the world that will affect uh, probably a lot of our planet. And it's the passing of Apophis, which is basically this comet this, uh, that will pass very, very close to Earth. Uh, it's an asteroid, sorry. What, what is the name of the asteroid? Apophis. A E O. P-H-I-S. And now uh, it's important also to say that because it's the name of uh, a god of ancient Egypt which uh, uh, represents chaos and destruction. And so the moment in which this asteroid is going to pass extreme, there is a probability of impact with Earth, which is of course very low. But even the fact that it's passing so close is going to create a big problem for us because by then we will be even more relying on the satellites operating around the earth Elon Musk with his uh, thousands and thousands of satellites people all over the planet to see every day how much the satellite grid is growing and when that satellite grid either by a solar storm or by an asteroid will be probably coming into some serious trouble, it, it would mean a lot of chaos for planet Earth, definitely. How close is this asteroid coming? Okay, when uh, they started to talk about it, uh, it was uh, 16, 17 years ago, I think. They said it was rather close. So then they kind of relaunched the whole thing with a lower probability of 0.0004%. Um, but the fact is that uh, this uh, closeness will still send all the satellite system in a state of chaos and, uh, and disarray. So it's Apophis is definitely a moment. It is going to be passing also in a specific day, the 13th of April. And uh, the signs are that this is going to be an important moment. 
Okay, so the 2029, that's the start of the reset, but the finish of the reset is 2030. Yeah, of course, the 2030s win at that point uh, with, with this ultimate catastrophe. They will have probably uh, the, the last excuse to just, uh, you know, say, okay, guys, now we have to do what we say. You have to do what we say. You know? So it sort of sounds like the choice is either... Uh, evil and we we uh, we succumb to satan or we have to live uh, sort of like uh you know uh, like we did six thousand years ago sort of in little villages basically isolated in a much simpler life which i don't find that bad i mean uh, i prefer to have my integrity um than uh, than uh, Marrying the, 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 this whole uh, demonic uh, thing because I know that our life on this planet might be, seem temporary, but our soul is immortal. But the moment in which you you are planting uh, uh, something inside your body and you are basically selling your soul to cyber Satan, uh, uh, <laughs> that's the end. <laughs> you know, that, that, or, or you are injecting something in your body that might transform your genome, your DNA. You, you are basically screwing up not only yourself, but even uh, your uh, children and the children of your children and so on. I'm not passing the judgment on it. I'm just noting that those seem to be the, the two choices. The other thing is I have a question. This is Well, I think, I personally think that uh, aside from that choice, there is also the fact that as people of faith, as I am personally, we always believe that divine intervention will eventually be able to, in some way, save the situation uh, or, or bring us some positivity that now we, we, we don't see some element of positivity. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's very difficult to see uh, what's going to happen in 10 years from now, but... Uh, I'm personally uh, want. I personally think that I want to live free up until the last minute of my life on earth as Leo Zagami in this day and age. So, I, I, even if I have to um, renounce to so many things that the the, the people will think, ah, they, these are. You know, you, you are still driving your car. Wow, you're so backwards. You're still thinking with your brain. Wow, that's so backwards. I just put my computer brain interspace and I go on the World Wide Web and suddenly I have the mind of, of Einstein and I can do any kind of thing. No, it's, it's, not, it's not me. That is not me. I have one question for you and this is very practical and very timely. Uh, I try not to do time-sensitive shows usually. I mean, obviously, 2029 is in eight years, so there's some amount of sensitivity, but I try not to do current events. But there's a lot of people who got one dose, but not their second. Is it too late for them? Or or uh, by not getting the second dose, are, are, can they avoid this fate? I'm, I'm, I'm personally uh, working with a doctor called Dr. Paul Cottrell, who is uh, doing some scientific experiment, uh, experimentations, actually. Uh, he's working uh, with lab rats and so on, uh, uh, 
so I will leave it to, to when he comes up with some concrete results because at the moment uh, I will not be honest in answering to you without having some scientific data. For me, it's a mistake to do even the first uh, um, because, the mo of course, if I had to choose and I was forced, with it, then I would definitely say that the Johnson & Johnson and the AstraZeneca, even if they seem like they are the most dangerous, they are probably without, because they don't use RNA messenger technology, the, the, the ones that are still an old school approach, that probably they are maybe slightly less damaging uh, in, on the long run. But, Sincerely, I am uh, not convinced uh, of this whole thing because it's experimental and so we need more scientific data. And so before giving you an answer, we need more scientific data. But, but I think that actually to inject yourself an experimental vaccine at this moment of time is uh, kind of uh, gambling and playing a Russian roulette. Well, if you get an answer, you have my email, so please let me know and I'll... I'll I'll splice it into one of the shows or, you know, as a, you know, in the beginning or the end of one of the future shows. Um, is, I, I know that you're on a schedule and I had some tech problems on my side, which is totally my fault. I don't want to cut you short from your presentation, so, but I want to give you a chance to say anything that you didn't say or something that I interrupted you on or asked a question on that you, that you felt was imperative or important to convey. Well, I think that uh, this new world order uh, has been coming together for a while, that the United Nations are part of it. Uh, and of course, the Pope uh, made uh, his statements uh, in September 2015 when he came to America and he delivered uh, his own speech at the United Nations. And I think that at this point is rather clear uh, where we are heading to. I don't think that there is anything to add to what we have said today, if not the actual fate that is important that people have. Because you said, how uh, can we find a solution for those people who maybe took the first jab and they are not heading for the second one? But first of all, I think that those people should start praying, should start uh, discovering God, should, and God is not made uh, by a specific religious connotation or church, is uh, to be discovered within you and, and, and to discover that relation with God, because uh, uh, only in that way we, we might be able to save uh, ourselves. Um, will, the will uh, to uh, save ourselves and to save our family by uh, also uh, making them aware of what's, what's happening and uh, the way I described it today, I know it sounds a little bit like, you know, maybe the people who make my kind of choice in 10 years from now, it would be like some kind of Hamish uh, or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> living in some secluded community. But if that's the case, well, why not? Um, I think that uh, before then, though, this plan that they have put together will result in the manifestation of the ultimate evil. And that evil will be so evident that then at that point, we will have a clash between those people who still, even after they have all these signs and everything that has happened, 
have decided to succumb to all this for materialistic gains. They have sold basically their soul for materialistic gains because uh, they have told them that that is the way forward. To, to, to get into the system, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do the, and, and they just go along. You can't go along anymore. You have to fight and you and and if you fight you will eventually meet the messenger of god on your way because uh, i think that he will manifest within our lifetime just as the antichrist will manifest and just as three quarters of humanity might risk extinction because of the plan that is behind the scenes i mean here we are talking about a vaccine that, would might, uh, that in 10, 15 years from now might kill millions. Millions of people will die. And it's their own stupidity now. But God, at that point, he can't save you if you don't repent completely. But you will have to repent in a way that uh, you will have to receive a miracle. Because if you have injected that stuff in your system, only a miracle can save you. Well, I have... Do we have time for one more question? Sure, sure. How did you get started on this? Like, like what what led you to... I mean, someone doesn't, you know, just naturally look into this on their own. Something had to, something had to find you. You had to stumble upon Absolutely. something. But uh, as I told you at the beginning of the show, I come from a particular background. My father was a young psychanalyst uh, who worked uh, with Meyer, who uh, was working close with Carl Gustav Jung worked in Switzerland uh, in, in Kuznet for a period. Um, he then understood that Carl Gustav Jung had been working uh, for the OSS, then became the CA and was compromised. The whole of psychiatry was compromised. And so he abandoned that. In the middle of the 70s, my father, after founding also the GAPA, which was a group of uh, independent analysts, very important, he decided to dedicate himself to the study of the paranormal and some other subjects that were outside of the academic uh, spectrum. Um, and uh, I would say that he inspired me, but also my family background uh, inspired me in uh, my moves uh, through my childhood, a certain experience of near-death experience, which I did when I was three years old. I would say that is a, a, a critical experience in my lifetime to understand uh, because people who have a near-death experience, they, they are not scared of death anymore. And you can't be scared of death when you go through what I went through because I went uh, at that point in search of uh, initiations, uh, various parts of the world, uh, traveling around and uh, at times risking my life over and over and over again. But in the end, always with uh, uh, immense faith inside me uh, that uh, I had from the moment, I guess, of that near-death experience, uh, which was uh, me uh, drowning. And my mother felt uh, after a while that I wasn't in my home and I was in this spring, two meters uh, spring uh, water, uh, was upside down. And, uh, and then I guess that was maybe a 
specific uh, moment in time in which uh, things have changed for me. But then also, as I said, my family background, I don't come from an ordinary family, my family uh, from my mother's side related to the Queen of England, from my father's sign, uh, side, uh, Barons, uh, Marquis in Sicily, uh, my grandfather was a politician who marched on Rome with Mussolini. Um, it, I, I guess that all this uh, created uh, the, the background for my research, for my personal view of things. When I was uh, 23 years old, in 1993, I decided to um, take on the uh, magic of Abramelli in the Mage, uh, which is an old grimoire. And uh, that experience uh, was uh, the most important one because uh, it kind of uh, stayed with me for the rest of my life. And it was very much the, uh, what in Jung psychoanalysis psych you call the experience of the identification, uh, the moment in which uh, you go towards the identification of the, of the se, in Italian you say the se, the, the, uh, when you understand really who you are and your mission, but you have to go through a very, very particular experience. What was the name of the, the grimoire, the, the book? Uh, the it, Magic of Every Man in the Mage, which, by the way, was also studied very much by Carl Gustav Jung, but was practiced also by Aleister Crowley when he then had his 1904 experience in the pyramids that uh, led him to the delivery of the a book of the law. So it, it, it is a, a grimoire that was translated by uh, Alistair Crowley's uh, uh, mentor, um, um, MacGregor Matters, found in the library in France, in Paris, uh, and uh, then translated is a grimoire that was published various times before, but uh, never it's the, it's the magic of Abraham and the mage. Uh, the magic of Abra Melin, the mage. Abra Melin is his name. Okay, Abra Melin, the mage. Yes, okay, yes, yes. I'm, I'm sorry. It's, um, a, it's a ritual that not many people have taken the courage to do because it takes approximately six months. And uh, the ritual requires you to front all the legions of hell to manage to eventually encounter your holy guardian angel. And so because it's so demanding, most uh, occultists, uh, either even Crowley had a problem in ending it. He eventually ended up in China, the ritual. Um, but uh, he interrupted it to go to Egypt. Uh, so when he actually received those messages in 1904, they were clearly demonic. Because well, you read the book. You, you didn't do the initiation yourself, did you? The, the, what, the Magical Abamelin? Mm-hmm. The Magic Wamedi is an auto-initiatory text. You initiate yourself by doing those rituals, and then you will receive connection with the entities. Yes, but I'm asking, did you do it? No, yeah, sure, of course I did it. Okay, so uh, so I have to ask you, who, who's your guardian angel? No, but then you meet your own guardian angel, uh, and that connection that you that you make stays with you, and it's a matter between you and the guardian angel. But I can tell you that during that period, I, I also was interrupted, and it took me to complete it uh, a year and a half. Uh, um, right. uh, I've had to repeat classes too, but um, <laughs> no, are, no, but are I you not permitted to reveal the name? Is, is, that what you're, is that what you're trying to say? Yes, yes, you Absolutely. don't. Okay. Um, okay, well, 
Where can people find your stuff, find you, if you want to be found? uh, If you want to know more about my experience with the Magic Mammalian, you can read the volume three of my confessions, uh, which is uh, specific on that topic. Uh, And then you can uh, read uh, all my other books that they are linked at my website, uh, which is leozagami.com, together with my latest articles. And And I know you do presentations. Do you have anything that you want to promote? No, it's fine. Uh, people can go on leozagami.com and find uh, there uh, all my latest, uh, eventually if I have any presentations, I will announce them there or I will announce them on my uh, YouTube channel. So unfortunately, I got censored uh, the last few years. Uh, it's been increased censorship and uh, in the last few months, I have so many YouTube channels removed that now I'm, <laughs> I'm like, but usually I link the late, the last surviving channel on leozagami.com, so people know which is uh, the, the the channel where maybe I do my occasional broadcast or I uh, include the, some of my interviews and so on. Well, uh, I guess I'll just ask one more time. Do you have anything else that you want to leave us with that, that uh, I cut off? Well, no, regarding uh, just the synarchy thing, uh, I will just say that uh, the word synarchy comes from the writings of Alexandre Santil Dalved, and I think uh, that he's definitely a character and a figure that you should uh, maybe study a little bit uh, to understand how the elites have created this uh, technocratic synarchy that is uh, coming together. Um, what, what's the name again? Synarchy is the concept, and the guy is called Alexandre Santive d'Alvedre, and uh, he was a French gentleman who died in 1909. Okay. And, and, and I think it, it's, it's a rather interesting uh, and important uh, uh, topic that we could, uh, uh, that definitely people should uh, analyze uh, further. And thank you so much for having me on. Uh, yes, thank the you. Illuminati, when I talk about the Illuminati, I want people to know it's not only the order of Adam Bishopt founded in 1776. I intend by Illuminati all those secret societies and mystery school of uh, old that uh, in a way uh, have come together in the Western tradition, but also in other traditions, because in volume two I talk about the Chinese Freemasons and Illuminati. Then there is there is basically a way of identifying these Illuminati in every single tradition. But uh, um, I just want to say that because at times people get confused, generalize the term, or misuse it altogether. Um, the, the fact that they went into the dark side uh, was due to the fact that, of course, they were led astray uh, and, and they eventually lost their faith in God and in Jesus, uh, which is something they should have never done. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Scary stuff. Very interesting. But thank you for uh, sharing your information with us. And uh, I, th- I think that will be very interesting in some years from now to see where we are at. And uh, you can tell me if I was wrong or not. Unfortunately, tell you the truth, I've never been wrong. So the, the, the actual testimony is that I left in 2006 when I said that China was the example place for the Illuminati, that that was their ultimate uh, country for their plan uh, it was said in 2006 i said it and nobody was believing now <laughs> they say wow 
you were right, or that the Pope will be a Jesuit, and that the Jesuits will take control of the Vatican, people will think I was crazy. But unfortunately, I wasn't. And so I hope that this time, maybe I'm wrong. Well, let's hope you were wrong, but uh, yeah, well, we will... Uh... I mean, you'll let me know when the doctors uh, have some yes, results, so we'll keep in touch, and, and uh, yeah, so uh, I'm sure we'll, we, we have some mutual acquaintances, so I'm sure we will meet again, and maybe you'll be on again. Okay, thank you, Jeff. All the best. Thank you. Same to you.
damage owed you? Need repairs when your cash flow is slow? Jacaranda Finance may be able to help. jacarandafinance.com.au Australian Credit Licence 456404. Application subject to assessment. T's and C's apply.